You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I'm back. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What's up? Matt Miguez back in the building. James is gleaming already. He's just so excited that I'm back. Yay, he's back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome back. Oh, man. You, you've you been gone over a week. I almost forgot what this place looked like. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Forgot it was like to have people live in studio. Right. Pe- people to look at that actually know who I am. <laughs> yeah. Because cause for the last four days, I've just kind of been, you know. Just people looking at you like, why is this guy talking to a mic? Who is this idiot? <laughs> oh, man. All right. So back in the saddle even if it's only for two days because we'll be back on the road next week. But we're here. Going to be a great Friday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We're going to talk some Astros. We're going to talk some more LSU Tigers with our guy Glenn Gilbo. That's all in the 5 o'clock hour. The 4 o'clock hour, we're going to bring you day four clips from SEC Media Days. I've got a great interview with two players from Mississippi State. But the first thing that I'm going to get to, I I, got to talk about a guy by the name of Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is an excellent, excellent NFL player. One of the best to ever do it at the tight end position. But he made some comments the other day on his show Undisputed with him and Skip Bayless that that I just really don't agree with. So it, it stemmed from Kirby Smart's comments at SEC Media Days about players getting NIL money. And this is a direct quote from Kirby Smart. What I can't accept is some young man getting $10,000 a month for four or three years of college. That's $120,000 a year. What do you think he's doing with that? Is that actually going to make him more successful in life? Because I promise you, if you handed me $10,000 a month my freshman year of college, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. He said, I firmly believe that. And I don't disagree with him. You want to know why? Because I've already graduated college. And let me tell you something. If somebody handed me $120,000 a year, I wouldn't be very smart with it. That's a lot of money for a young person to be in, the, to be in control of. At 18 years old, if you don't have the right financial education... You're going to blow through that money in no time. You're going to go buy yourself a nice car. You're going to go buy some nice jewelry. You know, the the best phone, the best laptop, whatever. And then your money's going to dry up. And then what? 
So that's a lot of money to be given a college athlete. Again, we talked about it yesterday. Some people didn't agree with what I had to say. It's too much money. I'm not saying don't pay them at all, but you got to put limits on this. And the other thing that that's going to drive a lot of people crazy in the world of college football is you're going to have to regulate it across the board. Jimbo talked about that a lot yesterday. Every state has different laws when it comes to NIL. In that case, the NCAA needs to step in and say, hey, we're going to institute a bylaw. This is what it is. But anyways, back to the Shannon Sharp thing. He sat there on the air and compared players getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to his coaching salary. He said Kirby Smart's first job as a college head coach, he made $3.75 million. Mark Richt, who got fired after year 15, made $4.1 million. Young guy coming in making damn near as much as the other guy. You're not wrong, but here's the problem. The money side of things has changed exponentially. Even since Kirby Smart took the job five or six years ago. Six years ago, in 2016. It's changed exponentially. Let's go to the hotline. Jay's calling in. What's up, Jay? How do you care if someone blows through money? Um, people, blow through mo- people blow through money in their 40s and 50s. So why do you care? If a young player goes through money at eighteen, nineteen, uh, if he if he rightfully earned that money, like I don't I don't get it. I mean, it, you're you're right. It's not really any of my business. But again, I like I said yesterday, if you start paying players too much, it's going to ruin the on the field product. You start paying uh, coaches too much is ruining the product. These coaches making 10, 10, 15 million dollars in a collegiate game. When when this start happening? It's not the pros. I understand that you know I'm not. It's their right to make the money. I'm not. I'm not saying they should get capped because I don't believe that either. But if we're going to question one thing, let's question. Let's question the whole thing. We, I, I just. I don't. I don't. I'm not talking about NIL. Just the whole thing of college sports is getting crazy. You got UCLA moving to the Big Ten. And that's wild, man. To me, I know. I know that's a whole different conversation. But I'm sure money plays a big part in all that. Well, of course. Decision. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it should get capped. You know, it's just, it's just sports is weird to me, man. Like the NBA players, they, they even their salaries are capped. But I, I don't know. I just think that sometimes I, I, I'm not saying you in a sense, but something has to give, man. Now I don't, I don't know about ten thousand or whatever, but until until we start capping the club, club players, coaches, I'm sorry, until we start capping the coaches' salary. Then we can sit up here and talk about let's, let's cap this nil. That's how I look at it, you know. No, I mean that, that's fair. That's a that's a fair argument. I, I, I don't I don't know. That's why I don't really care for college sports because of stuff that's, that's going on. But you know, this this but this whole thing, man. Like we what? Like come on. I, I don't I don't care about what the next person what he does with his money. You know. Now I understand this situation might be a little bit different. But hey, if the product suffer, the product suffer. I can care less. I just watch something else. All right, thank you. And then here's the other thing that that 
I, I find interesting. Shouldn't NIL money be earned? Some of these kids are getting paid before they even step foot on campus. Shouldn't your NIL money be earned by your on-the-field play? James? I mean, that's kind of how you make the dollar in the NFL and NBA. Exactly. But you're you're getting paid just to go to the university right. because, because the people want you to go to the university that they like. That That's the biggest issue. There's NIL, and then there's pay-for-play. And it, right now in college football, NIL is becoming pay-for-play, and that's not how it works. NIL is your name, image, and likeness. So that means when the university sells a jersey with your name on the back of it, you get a cut. Or when your team's game is nationally televised, you get a cut. NIL money is not for you to get paid to go to that school. That's not how this works. Let's go back to the hotline. Doc's calling in. What's up, Doc? How much? I was going to say, you know, I think the one thing that Kirby Smart didn't fail to realize, I mean, if you look at the... uh didn't ESPN do a special on the uh, frivolous money that professional athletes, especially football players, who pay ungodly amounts of money when they start those contracts, that they're allowed, they spend their money. So it's not really necessarily 18-year-olds. Apparently it's 22- and 24-year-olds who are playing in the NFL. Right. So to, to, you know, to say it's just a – I mean, I'm not saying I would have done anything different. But, you know, I don't think that – you know, I kind of agree with the other guy just there that, you know, can't tell people how to spend their money, where they do it. There's lots of people, you know, even lottery winners, you know, talking about they get all this money. That's just a generalization that most people who are given a lot of money do not have a lick of sense when it comes to spending it. Um, and I kind of agree with you on the NIL thing. I think it, it is, it's basically, it is pay for play. This is no longer college athletes, at least college football probably college baseball and everything else where any money is going to be involved will no longer be you know what we used to say is oh it's amateurism it's all money and bigger schools who can afford the money i, I just think that they're going to be the ones that are going to pay the people well, absolutely well, you, you're already you're already we're all seeing joking that. ourselves i mean we're all kidding ourselves that this is for you know the athlete because even college football in general if if it was really for the athlete the sports athletes when these guys get injured permanently for the sport that we all love, it wouldn't be that we all of a sudden now nobody cares for them. And it wouldn't be just, oh, next guy in, you know, kind of like um, that movie, The Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Or as soon as the guy tore his knee, oh, you're my boy. You know, sorry. But I think that's just kind of, anyway. No, I agree I... with you on some of it, but I agree with that other guy too. It's no longer. It's not nil. It's all. This is all professional. Absolutely, absolutely. Appreciate right. the call. Yep. So I'll close this conversation with with, with this. I'll tie a bow on my, on my thought process. Nil was implemented for players to benefit off of their name, off of the brand that they create by being a college football player or being a college athlete in general. It's not a salary. 
it's an endorsement. There's a big difference. Because if you look at pro athletes, they have their salary, and then they have their endorsement money. And yeah, in some cases, endorsement money is more than the salary. And that's fine. And and we talk all the time about how college football hasn't felt amateur for a very long time. You got to try and keep it that way, though. Because if you start paying these players hundreds and thousands of dollars a year, you're inching very close into that gray area between college and the pros. You got to be able to differentiate it somehow. And the argument that, oh, well, they make just a little bit less, that's crap. That's crap. That's not a, that's not a strong enough argument to differentiate the two. I'm fine for players getting paid, but there's got to be a line. There has to be. Once again, big show today. Got clips from SEC Media Day. We've got an Astros guest. We've got an LSU guest and your calls on the hotline. 706-0111. However, if you wanted to score an Apple Watch and all you have to do is send a simple text and listen up. The Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to help you win a brand new Apple Watch with our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch, plus other great prizes like Astros tickets and much more. The Game's text club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take a time out, and we'll bring you those audio clips from SEC Media Days. On the other side, you're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 20 minutes after 4 o'clock on your Friday. Let's go back to the hotline. David's been waiting. David, what's up? Oh, how are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you? Uh, just, I'm doing well. Um, just real quick on NIL deals. You and I talked about this yesterday. So with NIL, you've got 500000 around 500,000 student athletes in the NCAA. Of that amount, you've got 25,000 or so who have NIL deals. And, of course, we have a small sample size because NIL's been around, what, not even two years, correct? Correct. So, and you average it out. You know where the NIL deals come out to for those 25,000? 3,400 bucks. And if you multiply that 3,400 times 25,000, it comes up to 8.5. That's less than saving salary. That is less than smart salary. Not as much money as we think. We hear about the smaller amount. We got some guys are making a lot, but when you average it all out, 
thirty four hundred bucks is not a lot. But that's the average. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we should look at and not the not the exorbitant like like we should not look at the large amount, we should look at the average across the board. Because it's not just one, two, three or four student athletes you're looking at when you talk about NIL, you're supposed to be talking about the whole all five hundred thousand. Of course not all of them are getting deals. You've got a small percentage of those that are getting deals. It's like with the transfer portal. You hear people talk about, oh, they're transferring, they're transferring. Less than 1% of student athletes transfer. Use the transfer portal. 1% out of 500,000 student athletes. But you would swear it's a lot more, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that number is accurate. But okay. <laughs> yeah, it is accurate. It is accurate. But you can double check. I, I, you know, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. I have no problem with that. But yeah, so, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I know you, you, you go the other way, but I'm like, let these young men and women get their NIL deals because it's not going to come close to what professional athletes make, nor is it coming close to some, what, to what some of their coaches are making. Appreciate the call, man. All right. So, uh, my point is, I don't. I'm not against players making nil money. That's not what I'm against. What I'm against is players making ridiculous amounts of money. I mean, let's look at the facts. Arch Manning, they're talking about Arch Manning making over a million dollars before he even arrives in Austin. That's absurd. I don't care if he is Jesus Christ reincarnated. That's absurd. An NFL contract. Yeah, your rookie deal is based on how you played in college. Fine. After that, you earn your keep. What you earn by playing in high school is your scholarship. Your tuition, your room and board, your food. That $3,000 a month stipend that most schools give you. Your NIL money is earned on the field. That's the problem that I have. You're paying these kids before they even do anything for you. And you're paying them way too much. James, let's step away from the NIL talk for a minute. Um, breaking news out of the, the world of sports entertainment. Vince McMahon has retired as chairman and CEO of the WWE. <laughs> Not shocked. <laughs> you see, I am. Because when this when this whole story first came out... Well, hasn't like 50... 50- Instances of women like calling them out oh, for stuff they did in the past. It, like it's been a lot. Yeah, it's been a it, lot, and it's a lot more than Deshaun. Am I? Am, or am I wrong? No. Are there, are there more I, than Deshaun? Or I, I think there's more than Deshaun. I, okay, I think you're right so, there. Okay, so however, the whole time, even after more and more women have come out, Vince has kept saying time and time again that he didn't do anything. He's maintained his innocence. 
So to me, him announcing his retirement kind of came out of left field. Retiring from a company that he built, put his own money into, and, and, and built it into an absolute powerhouse for the last four decades. So interested to see what the WWE is going to do to replace Vince McMahon. As of now, Stephanie McMahon, his daughter, and Nick Khan will be co-CEOs. So interested to see what's going to happen there. Also, Deshaun Watson showed up at training camp. James, are you surprised? No, he hasn't been suspended in a... He isn't currently in court, and he's not in jail. So I, I would I would hope he'd be at training camp. If See, you're if you're not going to get suspended, or even if you think you're going to get suspended, go because you you never know. I mean, they may delay the the punishment until like the mid season. So if you're just not going to go to training camp because you think you're going to get suspended, well then you're just wasting time and you're just sitting at your house not being with the team. Again, I'm a little surprised. I didn't think he'd show up. Uh, unless you're, unless I mean, you're, I, if, unless you're not able to go, you better go. I agree with your reasoning. He should be there. I just didn't expect him to be. Interesting. So I am a little surprised that he actually showed up. The Browns also signed Josh Rosen. So here's the thing: if Deshaun gets suspended, now let, let's be honest: the quarterbacks behind him aren't better than him. But, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, say what you want about him, he's done the job. He brought the Colts to the playoffs. He could be a Band-Aid for eight games, if needed. Let's go back to the hotline. T's calling in. What's up, T? Oh, not a whole lot, Matt, and yourself? Not too much. What you got? Um, I agree with you 100% on this Neil stuff, but... I just I don't know the thought process of some of the callers that say that the players should make as much as the coaches. I don't. Did you ever make more than your boss? No. Okay, never, right? Never. So, so and I don't think any employee is going to make more than the CEO, right? No. Okay. Well, end of my story. Thank you. I hate to look at it that way, but he's right. If people want to turn college football into a business, the player is an employee. The coach is the manager. And the athletic... And and that's a light way to put it. Because they're they're pretty much in charge of everything. And then the athletic director is the CEO. If you want to turn college football into a business... That's how it works. It's a, it's unfortunate, but that's what it is. That T just summed up my point perfectly. So thank you, T, for, for calling in and, and doing that. Going back to the Browns thing. Deshaun Watson's going to be suspended. How long? We don't know. Some people are still saying a year. Some people are saying six games. I'm starting to lean towards eight. 
I've seen that number thrown around the most. So I'm starting to think eight. So say he's suspended for eight games. Jacoby Brissett's probably going to be your backup or your starter, technically. If he goes down, you got Josh Rosen, who is is so interesting. What is this, his sixth team in five years? Because <laughs> the, the dude got drafted 10th overall and has done nothing. Nothing in the league. Say Josh Rosen goes down. You got Josh Dobbs, which I like Josh Dobbs. He did well at Tennessee. He started a couple games for the Steelers and did well there. And he's smart as a whip. The guy's talented. I don't think it's ever going to get to him because that means that both Brissett and Rosen would have to go down. But Dobbs isn't a bad option either. So if Deshaun is suspended, the Browns aren't in terrible shape. Once again, game hotline 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Back to the hotline we go. Jay's calling in again. What's up, Jay? Uh, do the, uh, does the gymnast coach at LSU makes over a million dollars? Gymnast uh, coach at I, I assume not, because one of her athletes has a uh, nil has nil deals worth more than a million. I heard she gathered up last year a uh, gymnast. Now I'm sure that you know, like I said, I don't know, I don't know the gymnast salary. If she's making a million, that, that's that's nice. I don't know how much that, uh, gymnast make, but if she, I'm sure that uh, her athlete, the uh, woman who's uh, who's on the team, is making more. Than uh, the coach, so I, uh, so you know what? This like I say, man. Most of the time, when it comes to the NIL, when it comes to the NIL deals, the only two sports we care about is football and basketball. You know what I'm saying? If this was a collegiate baseball player making millions of NIL deals, you wouldn't get someone like that caller who called and said that. You know what I'm saying? It, they only concentrate on two sports, and I wonder why that is, man. Football and basketball. Go look that up. There's a gymnast in LSU made over a million dollars in. I, I I am very aware, and the reason yeah, so, that she's made that much is because of her social media following. Well, I don't care what it is. Uh, like you said, you said I don't. You know, she's allowed to make that money. So what I'm saying is, no one's not talking about capping her. No one's not talking about you know. Oh, she made more than a coach. Because I I would like like I say I don't know if that's true or not. I want to know how much the coach makes a year by being by being a gym a gymnastic coach. At LSU, and that's how I have to say. And besides, they got they have NBA players, NFL players who make more than some head coaches. The LSU gym, the LSU gymnastics coach makes two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year. You have a nice weekend. Thank you. And I, I've never once said that Olivia Dunn should make a million dollars, but it is what it is. She makes it because of her social media following. At the end of the day, we can't change the fact that these college athletes are going to make a lot of money. My point is that it shouldn't be that way. I'm arguing why it shouldn't be that way. Olivia Dunn makes millions of dollars because she has millions and millions and millions of followers on social media. And because she can push out a brand. 
That's why she makes the money that she makes. It's not because of her gymnastic skills. Again, like I've said, NIL money should be earned on the playing field. Let's take a time out. When we return, we'll bring you the clips from Brian Harson and Jimbo Fisher from day four of SEC Media Days. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You've watched his TV specials and you've listened to his podcast. Now you can see comedian Burt Kreischer live in person at the Cajun Dome September 16th. And you can do so with a text. To score tickets, join the Games Tech Club by texting BERT to 337-283-8100. B-R-E-T. B-E-R-T. Sorry. To 337-283-8100. Once you are a member, you'll be eligible to win tickets to see Burt Kreischer live at the Cajun Dome courtesy of the Games Tech Club. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh live here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, 439 on your Friday afternoon. James, now that now that the blood's pumping. I was gonna say you're you're awake now. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's I, I just I gotta say. It it's been I I I'm I'm not one to complain. I'm not. Because I've I've always been one of the mentality that everybody's got problems, nobody wants to hear yours, kind of thing. Yeah, generally, it has been a long week. Need the reset. I am tired, but hey, we are here. There's sports to talk about, so we're gonna get to it. Once again, hotline 706-0111 and in Acadiana. Watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Jimbo Fisher closed out SEC Media Days yesterday. And, of course, you know he had to answer questions on the Nick Saban controversy. So Jimbo answered it with, there's no issues and I have great respect for Nick. I'm going to say this. I have tremendous respect for Nick. There's, there's no, I have no problem with Nick. you got two competitive guys, and unfortunately, like you say, you get out in public and, and different things. We stood up, and it's over with. I have no problem with that. But we're at practice field. We were great competitors, and he was a great defensive coach, and we were establishing offensively, and we used to have tremendous battles. And we, had, we both had tremendous players on both sides of the ball. But they were, it was his team, and I was just the offensive coordinator. But, you know, it was fun, and, uh, you know, a lot of great respect for him. Jimbo Fisher also spent time talking about how he's excited when thinking about this year's Texas A&M football team. Very excited about our football team in the fall. A lot of great new additions, a lot of older upperclassmen, I think, returning, and a lot of guys that were injured and banged up coming back. So I like the dynamic of our team, a little like spring football, and uh, looking forward to fall. Seems like we've had a very good summer, as I, I'm sure everybody has, but that's what we all say, right? 
Summer's going well, everything's going well. But like the dynamic of it, very excited for the team. A lot of challenges in a lot of ways, but uh, a lot of pieces to work with. So looking forward to the challenge. James, before we get back to clips, uh, I'm seeing something on Twitter. So at SEC Media Days, the media members that were present got to vote uh, preseason, all SEC teams, and predicted order of finish and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that got released today. Yes. SEC champion. This is this is the vote numbers. Alabama has 158. Were there 158, y'all? No. Or no, there how many how many were there? Uh total votes 518 181. 181. Okay. So 158. So Bama. 158. So I'm guessing like 23 of them were Georgia and there was one guy that did Vanderbilt. 18 did Georgia. Okay. Three did South Carolina. Interesting. What? Y- yeah. Spencer okay. Adler, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> one did A&M. Okay. Which I could see. And the one did Vanderbilt. <laughs> one person <laughs> voted for Vanderbilt. And, man, you know, I, I'm not going to disrespect an institution. But let's be quite honest with ourselves. Vanderbilt is only still in the SEC for two reasons. Baseball and their academics. That's it. Because if it was based solely on football performance, Vanderbilt would have been out of the SEC 20 years ago. They'd have been gone a long time ago. Missouri would have been gone too. South Carolina would probably be gone by now if it was based on football performance. And and then, and you know, we, we talked about this the other day when, when Vanderbilt was on the podium at, in Atlanta. I'm all for a, a coach, you know, respecting his program and being pa- passionate and positive about his program. But coming out and saying that in due time, Vanderbilt will be the best program in the country come on man you've never once been the best program in your conference you've never won the conference I mean that's just that is a off the wall take if you ask me I bet a lot of ears perked <laughs> whenever they heard that oh yeah mm, what oh yeah <laughs> I, I, we're, we're sitting there, and he makes that comment, and I, you see a lot of heads. They're, they're at the computer. You see a lot of heads go, what? Uh? What did he just say? <laughs> Dude, it was, it was Rep- crazy. Repetant por favor. It, it was crazy. Again, love the confidence, but that's a bit much. Your, your contenders this year, Alabama, Georgia, A&M, Tennessee. That's your top four teams in the SEC, if you ask me. Those are your contenders. Whoever wins the Georgia-Tennessee game will represent the East. And whoever wins the Alabama A&M game will represent the West. Barring, you know, they drop a game that they're not supposed to along the way. Which it always seems to happen that way, right? 
mean, look, look last year. A&M beat Bama, yet Bama still won the West because A&M slipped up down the road. It happens. That's just that's, that's the nature of, of the beast. The last quote that I want to get to about Jimbo Fisher, and it's a long one, but he talked about the same thing that everybody else had to answer throughout the week. What is the state of college football? Well, we're into it, and that's for sure. I mean, they're here to stay. I think, you know, the challenges is how do you schedule, how do you do things, what goes on, and because I think, and I think that's where the college football playoff has got to expand because of how big conferences become, because I don't, I think it's, the bigger the conference comes, I think the harder it is to find a true champion sometimes, because it's based off scheduling within your own league, what teams you play, strengths you play, you're not playing, in the old days you played everybody. You know what I'm saying? Or almost everybody, so you had a better feel. So I think as these grow, I think the playoff has to expand to get true college football champion, in my opinion. Because I think the leagues, you don't, you don't get a true gauge sometimes. Now, you all, generally you will, but there's going to be times you don't. And I think it's, it's a very challenging time. But, I mean, you know, and you're trying to keep as many traditions because I think that's what makes college football tremendous is the traditions that you have and the games you have. But some of those are going to have to go by the wayside a little bit, as much, maybe not because of scheduling issues, because I think one of the things, the challenges is making sure you play everybody and that the competitive balance to find out who the champion is, that there's an equal uh, distribution of the teams you play and how you play. And I think that's, that's going to be one of the huge challenges for us. But, you know, it's here to stay. Change is inevitable, folks. It's whether you embrace it or not. And you can sit here and be mad about it. You can sit here and throw, be up and down. And I'm a traditionalist. I love the histories of the games and all that stuff. But this is going to be here. So we have to embrace it. We have to change. And we have to be able to move on to adapt to, to be successful. Look at Brian Harson, the head coach of Auburn, who after one year, Auburn was already trying to fire him. Wonder why Billy Napier didn't take that job. And and literally tried and I've talked I talked to numerous Auburn radio people this week. And whether they were just standing up for their school or what, the allegations against Harson this offseason were false. According to them, they were false. So what it appears is that maybe Auburn boosters might have fabricated a story to try to get him fired. According to Harson, it didn't work. Here he is on the situation. There was an inquiry. It was uncomfortable. It was unfounded. And it presented an opportunity for people to, you know, personally attack me, my family, and also our program. And, and it didn't work. So right now, our focus is on moving forward. And what came out of that inquiry were a lot of positive. There was a silver lining in all of this because what I saw from our players and our coaches was leadership opportunities for them to step up, which is exactly what they did. And you got a chance to see guys provide leadership. You got a chance to see coaches provide leadership. And what it did, it was united our football team. It united our players, united our staff, it united our football team. And so I'm really proud of our guys, and I'm proud of what something like that, that could be very challenging and difficult for a lot of people, how our guys stepped up and handled it. And we had coaches and players that could have went on and went to different places, avoided all the adversity and the challenges and everything that came with it and they didn't do that they're here uh, they're working extremely hard and they're doing a fantastic job in my opinion to get themselves ready to go for this season speaking of allegations the NCAA 
has charged Tennessee's football program with 18 level one rule violations. 18. The most severe under its rules for impermissible recruiting benefits totaling about $60,000 paid to prospects and players under former head coach Jeremy Pruitt. That's why he was fired. Among other allegations, Pruitt is accused of providing nearly $9,000 to the mothers of two prospects. And this is where it gets really crazy. Pruitt's wife, Casey, is also accused of making 25 cash payments, totaling about $12,500, to help a prospect's mother make her car payment. So not only, Jeremy, did you do some shady stuff, you got your wife involved. You got that's just like Will Wade, right? From a couple from a couple months ago. Will Wade gets fired for all these allegations, and part of it was the fact that he was wiring money through a personal bank account that he and his wife shared. How are you going to drag your family into this? Play the game if you want. That's on you. Yeah, And yes, you represent your family. I agree with that. Don't directly put your family into it. I mean, how stupid can you be? That is ridiculous, man. We'll take a time out right here, wrap up hour number one on the other side. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know, that's a very true thought that Raymond the III just had. So, you know, we, we talked about our trip a lot because it was just a great time. The, the four nights in Atlanta... I had a very, very comfortable bed. It was one of those two-bed hotel rooms. Me and Ray were roommates for four days, and it was great. Last night, however, and this is no fault to Ray. This is not, you know. Bro, I had a sleeper sofa. James, a sleeper sofa. Oh, the ones where it like folds out? Yes. Uh, those are awful. And it was comfortable. That's not the issue. The issue is when I sleep, I toss and turn a lot. I do. Were you in the couch? No. <laughs> it kept squeaking. Oh. Uh. Every time I tried to move. It was so annoying. But I did sleep well, so that's all that really matters, I guess. That's why I'm so energetic today on this Friday edition of Crunch Time with me, Yes and Mesh. No Chick-fil-A, though. No Chick-fil-A, no, I know. <laughs> that I, I broke up the, the routine. Actually, I didn't have any Chick-fil-A yesterday. We yes, didn't e- that's true. We you, didn't eat Chick-fil-A yesterday. Even, yeah, you didn't even have... <laughs> first three days, though. Oh, first three days. 
Oh, you see, real, real quick, we got a little bit of time. I'll tell you a quick story about the first day when we went to Chick-fil-A. So Ray and I walk over to the Chick-fil-A next door to the College Football Hall of Fame, and I am I am one with my smartphone, and I have the Chick-fil-A app. So we're standing there in line, and the next thing you know, the lady goes, mobile order for Matt? And I just walk up, grab my food, and Ray's looking at me like, what the hell? I said, bro, mobile app. Get, get you that. It makes things a whole lot easier. You get points for free food. It's great. It's great. That's what I do with the Firehouse app. Right. Exactly. Same thing. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to have some fun. Glenn Gilbo joins us at the top. Landry Locker from the state of Texas will join us to discuss the Houston Astros and your calls on the hotline. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Hour two of two on this Friday. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, back in the studio after a great week in Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Let's recap all of it with our guy from OutKick, Mr. Glenn Gilbo. Glenn, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you guys? Doing well. So let's let's kind of recap SEC Media Days, and I'll start with Brian Kelly and the Tigers. You know, from what he had to say and from what the players had to say, what really stood out to you about this team? Well, I think the uh, – you know, I thought Kelly was, was very good and businesslike, and uh, eventually he's going to be a great coach at LSU. But, the, but what continues to stand out about this team is they just have a lot of uh, roster issues – and and I don't you know I don't care how great a coach he is he's he's going to struggle this year to win more than win more than eight games I believe but you're you're going to see the team coached much better coordinated much better because he's got two good coordinators which they just haven't had in years and um, but you know the questions at quarterback tailback uh, offensive line secondary you know I, I think uh, there's just too many questions to to think they're going to be a contender this season. Brian Harson was a guy that really stood out in Atlanta when he directly addressed the the coup, if you will, to uh, to attempt to take him out of the position at Auburn. You know how impressive was that to see him? You know, face that situation head on and address it. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, and, and and he he brought it up in his opening comments, which is which is. Uh, media relations 101 you know you you bring up the subject first before you're asked about it and you don't get asked about it as much so that was pretty smart if that was indeed his uh his strategy you know he hasn't really spoken about it too much and uh you know he said all they could really say about it i mean it it doesn't change the fact that a lot of people wanted him fired and and still do and uh if he has a 
season that's not much better than last year, it, it could happen again. But at least he's uh, he's moved past it and tried to get his his players to move past it going into the season. But he's I mean he's got a he's got a big roster issue too. They're just not very good on offense. If you, if you saw them close the season with six straight losses last year, and I don't really think they've improved themselves too much on offense either. And then Billy Napier, his first SEC media days as head coach of Florida, you know, rarely do you see a coach get choked up on a topic. But, you know, from from my perspective, that that kind of humanized people that, you know, sometimes we, we kind of forget that they're ordinary people just like us, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that too. I don't think everybody did, but yeah, he definitely, when he was talking about his father, he definitely got choked up a little bit there. And, uh, you know, that that's, uh, that's an, was an impressive moment because, you know, this is big time for Billy. I mean, he, he has gone from uh, kind of a mid-major program to, you know, one of the biggest programs in the country. Even, you know, they haven't been winning lately, but, I mean, Florida can be a, a top, you know, one of the top programs in the country, and, and he has a recruiting base. He's got everything he needs. So, you know, he's on the cusp of, of becoming what, what he always wanted to do, and I think it just kind of got to him when he, was, when he was asked about his dad. Glenn Gilbo of OutKick joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, looking at the SEC landscape, Alabama and Georgia are at the top, but then from, from then on down – you know, the, the middle of the pack, if you will, pretty competitive in the SEC. I mean, there's not much not much room for error there. Yeah, you know, I think I think um, after Alabama and Georgia, there's, there's quite a gap. Uh, but at the, at the head of that second level, I would say, is, is probably Tennessee and, and Kentucky and, um, you know, maybe even Mississippi State. Um, with Will Rogers, who's who's just a, a great quarterback, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if Ole Miss is going to be back. I don't think they'll be back where they were last year with with ten wins because you know they lost a very good good quarterback. But uh, it, it's definitely a, a, a top heavy league. I mean, South Carolina is very excited, but I mean they just went seven and six. You know, um, I just don't know if there's another program that's quite ready. Uh, you know, is is closer than a few years away from being from being what Alabama and Georgia have. LSU predicted to finish fifth in the West by the media that were at Media Days this week. You know, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's accurate considering the talent level in the West of this year? Well, that's better than I had them. I had them sixth. Um, I had Mississippi State fourth and Ole Miss fifth. I, you know, Mississippi State's got a much better quarterback than LSU does. Uh, and, you know, LSU could end up being pretty good, but I, I just have too many questions. So the only team I have them better than at the moment is Auburn. So, you know, they could they could probably they, – they might be able to beat Ole Miss. But it's going to be close, man. You know, it's, it's going to be competitive between those schools. Uh, well, not Auburn, but I think Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and, and LSU are going to be fighting for that, for that mid-spot. But, you know, Arkansas is clearly and the best in the West other than Alabama. And, you know, I don't know how good A&M is. I mean, they – I have them in that pack too, kind of. So, um, 
you know, I think uh, I think you're going to see LSU. They're going to play better, and they're going to be easier to watch because they're not going to, you know, they're going to be able to get plays out on time, which they couldn't even do last year. Uh, they didn't. Hit, they, they, they coordinated and get to play to the quarterback in time, so they're going to be better on the field. You know, you just might it might not translate into wins. A and M projected to finish second in the West behind Alabama, according to the media. You know, uh, talking about the quarterback situation, Bryce Young is is clearly the number one quarterback in the SEC. And then, you know, two on down, people tend to have various opinions, whether it's Hendon Hooker or Will Rogers or K.J. Jefferson. You know, after Bryce Young, who do you have? Will Rogers. And then after that, I would say K.J. Jefferson and and, – Hooker's very good too, you know. That's, but but I, I really like Rogers, um, and I'm very impressed with KJ and Hooker uh, last season. I mean, KJ put on a heck of an effort against Alabama. Uh, so that you know, there's still some some good quarterbacks in the league. You know, Stetson Bennett is the starter on a national championship team, and he, he didn't make any of the uh, all SEC teams. He's just, he's just not respected. But uh, I think he's a pretty good quarterback himself. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. You know, Kirby talked about that when he was on the podium, that Stetson Bennett doesn't quite get the respect that Kirby feels that he deserves. You know, where, where do you have him in, in, in terms of quarterbacks? Is he right behind guys like Hendon Hooker and K.J. Jefferson? Yeah, I mean, he's still in the middle of the pack. You know, he uh, he just doesn't have the uh, the pure talent. As, as a lot of those quarterbacks were, were speaking of. But, you know, don't be surprised if he makes an NFL team, you know, as, as, as a backup or something. I mean, sometimes those guys survive. And, you know, it's amazing. He, he almost became Louisiana Laf- yep. University of Louisiana's quarterback. We, we have a feature on that coming out this weekend in Outkick. He talked about that. He woke up one morning going to commit to the Cajuns. And uh, uh, Coach uh, Smart called him that day <laughs> offered him a scholarship and he had to call Billy and say, said he wasn't coming but um he's obviously been a great success story at Georgia yeah no no question about it wrapping up here with Glenn Gilbo from Outkick you know looking at the SEC Greg Sankey said that he feels the conference is the strongest that it's ever been you got Texas and Oklahoma coming in in 2025 but again you know talking about college football realignment and the ever-changing landscape of college football, there's going to come a point where 16 is going to turn into 18 and turn into 20. You know, when do you, when do you see that kind of taking place? <laughs> I was talking to Herb Vincent, the SEC Associate Commissioner, about that. Could you imagine 20 teams to cover at SEC Media Day? Oh, this thing might take, take, take two weeks. Right. It's already too long, man. I mean... My God, they might have to split it up in the two cities. But um, no, um, you know, I, I think um, I think the SEC is going to go to eighteen and twenty or, or twenty teams by two thousand twenty-five. And and um, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't really think that that's going to change how good the teams are. You know, I mean, it, you're just all in the same league. It's it's not really. You're still going to have the haves and have-nots, regardless of. Uh, of where they might, what what league they might be in, 
you know, and, and, and lesser programs. You can still make money in college football, even if you're not making the most money. You can, you can still make a lot of money and succeed in college football. Glenn Gilbo of Outkick.com joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Glenn, really appreciate the time. Before you run, tell our listeners where they can find your work. Outkick.com. It's a, it's a free website. Get on Outkick.com. I'm also on, on Facebook, and I still kept the uh, LSU Twitter account, LSU Beat Tweet. Thanks a lot. Fantastic. Appreciate you, Glenn. Okay. There he goes, Glenn Gilbo of Outkick.com. All right, so we talked about the preseason finishing spots and whatnot. Here, here it is. Let's let's dive through it. In the SEC East, Vanderbilt projected to finish seventh with one first place vote. Missouri sixth, South Carolina five with three, Florida fourth, Tennessee third with one first place vote, Kentucky second with four. And then Georgia won with 172. In the West, Auburn projected to finish 7th, Mississippi State 6th, LSU 5th, Ole Miss 4th, Arkansas 3rd with one first place vote, A&M 2nd with 3, and Alabama finished 1st with 177. Your projected SEC champion, Alabama, like we talked about earlier, with 158 first place votes going through the teams we'll touch on the players from LSU that made teams Keishon Butte a first team SEC wide receiver BJ Ojolari a first team defensive lineman going to the second team Ali Gay a second team defensive lineman in the SEC and then Mason Smith selected as a third team defensive lineman in the SEC. Very interesting, you know, to, to look at the gap between Georgia and, and Alabama because obviously there's one, right? Or Georgia and Alabama and then everybody else. Obviously there's a gap, right? But looking at the number of first place votes, I mean, look at the East. Georgia got 172. Kentucky got four. And people are high on Kentucky. People think Kentucky is going to be damn good. But that goes to show you just how much better Georgia and Alabama are. Starting to feel like Georgia's kind of becoming an Alabama 2.0. You think Kirby took what he learned from Nick and put it in his own program? That is a very Nick Saban run program. Georgia's becoming, you know, for years we've said Alabama doesn't rebuild, they reload. Georgia's becoming the same way. I hope you're not bored of Georgia-Alabama national title games because it's going to be like the Warriors and Cavs. We're going to see a lot of them. A lot of them. So, I hope you, I hope you like good football. Let's, let's just say that. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is taking over the Big Easy for Sunbelt Media Days. Tune in Tuesday, July 26th and Wednesday, July 27th as RP3 and Company, Footnotes, and Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh, broadcasting live from New Orleans for the games live from Sunbelt Media Day coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Tune in for the takeover of the Big Easy right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, James. 
5.15. Let's take a timeout when we come back. I was joined at SEC Media Days by Nathaniel Watson and Jalen Cremity of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. We'll bring you those interviews right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 22, 1967. The Atlanta Braves establish an MLB record for number of pitchers called upon in one inning. Five used in the ninth inning of a 5-4 loss to St. Louis. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. And I do want to say something. LSU was projected to finish fifth, right? I showed them some love. My projections had them finishing fourth in the West. Bleed that purple and gold, baby. It had Alabama, Ole Miss, A&M, LSU, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State. And then my East was Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt. So I was right on six through eight. I mean, five through seven in the East. I was right on the money. And then I have Georgia winning the SEC championship again because they're a machine. Anyways, speaking of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, we, we love a good Mike Leach interview, right? Mike Leach says some off-the-wall crazy things. And uh, his players spent a lot of time talking about that. First up is a guy by the name of Nathaniel Watson. I am joined by Mississippi State defensive player Nathaniel Watson. Nathaniel, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How are you? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm doing good. So, you know, talk about first coming to SEC Media Days, being one of the three players asked by by coach leach to to come to atlanta and represent mississippi state football uh you know it's just an honor i never thought i had this opportunity to come to sc media day it is really unbelievable i mean i had told i had told my mom that i had found out and she was like just she was just full of so much joy and i'm just i'm happy to be here and have her smile on me. looking at you as a player you know you're entering your fourth year with mississippi state you know and looking at your stats, better and better. Fifth year. Fifth year yeah. Looking at your stats, better and better every year. How do you want to build on last year's performance to be even better in year five? I just, I really just plan on doubling my stats from last year. Being the best linebacker I can be for Mississippi State and probably the best linebacker in, in the uh, country if I can. You know, I just been working. I've been working hard just to get where I'm at. And I just can't stop now. Watching tape on guys in the SEC like Will Anderson or even Ali Gay at LSU, you know, how do you watch those guys and maybe you know take things away from from their game to better your game? I, just, I, when, I when I'm watching film, I break I just break them down. I just break down like certain plays that they do and watch how they uh, get off blocks. Watch how they how they get off B. Just take like um, quick details from what they're doing because. You know, at the end of the day, they all helping you. Everybody helping everybody. Like you exposing, you exposing your uh, technique on film, so everybody can see. So you got to take some points from it, if anyway. 
chatting with Nathaniel Watson, Mississippi State linebacker here at the College Football Hall of Fame. Talk to me about, you know, playing for a guy like Mike Leach, you know, a guy who's been around the block in, in college football, has a persona about him. You know, what's he like in the locker room, at practice, you know, things like that? Um, he really, he really just, he really laid back. But when it comes to football, he more of a like on your on your tail about it and being you being a hundred percent ready. And like when he not when it's not about football and he in the uh, locker room, you know, we just playing around. He get off subject, start talking about anything but football. So when when it's not about football, he gonna talk about anything but football. And just being around him, it makes you a better player because you learn. You learn about a lot of stuff offensive-wise, and you learn about a lot of stuff off the field when it comes to Mike, Coach, Coach Leach. Tough schedule this year for you guys. You know, what, what's the mindset in, in the locker room as you approach, you know, six weeks away from the season? Just keep building. You know, we've just been, um, we just been working uh, all, all this offseason just to get better, just to elevate our level of game after last season, after the uh, bowl game. I'm pretty sure everybody, I know for a fact that I had a sour taste in my mouth after that game. And we just trying to build off that game, just go to um, top level and stuff. What do you think, you know, getting back to, you know, Mississippi State as a program, kind of up and down over the last couple of years, what do you think you guys need to do to, you know, kind of right the ship and, and get back to, you know, being one of the top programs in the SEC? Just believe in each other. If we just, if we just buy in, if everybody buy in, just believe in each other, which we've been working on, all this offseason, you know, team bonding and stuff. If we just come closer as a group and uh, hold each other accountable, I think we have a shot. Lastly, you know, for fans listening, what can they expect out of the Bulldogs in 2022? The Bulldogs, I just say they expect hell to be paid. You know, we're just going out there, we're just going out there with a mentality that can't nobody stop us and won't nobody stop us. Nathaniel Watson, linebacker for the Mississippi State Bulldogs, joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Nathaniel, really appreciate you taking the time. Good luck this season. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Nathaniel Watson, linebacker for Mississippi State, finished second on the team last year with 84 tackles and five sacks. He was the leading tackler in four of their games and started all 12 games for the Bulldogs. And then my second player that I sat down with, is also a member of the Bulldogs defense. Joining me now here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh is Jalen Cremedy, defensive lineman for Mississippi State. Jaden, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm good, and you? Doing well. So, you know, I, I asked Nathaniel Watson the same question. You know, walk me through what it was like when you were asked by Mike Leach to come represent the Mississippi State football program here at SEC Media Days? Uh, to me, I just feel like it was a real blessing because, for once, I'm, this is something I've never done before. I never thought that I would do this. And I just feel like it's a great way to put my name out there and let people hear about me. So what's what's it been like? You know, you, you've gotten a couple interviews under your belt. You, you did the the circus down there with the, with the media. You know, what, what's the process been like for you today? It's been very different because you know sometimes I did uh, do interviews you know after practice or after a game I never did consistent interviews like this it's, it's, so it's been fun and kind of 
nerve-wracking. <laughs> Talk to me about this this Mississippi State defense. You know, what what are you guys working on the, this offseason, you know, six weeks away from the season now? What have you guys been working on to really, you know, take the game to the next level? Uh, I just We've been, uh, you know, actually working together and uh, bonding more and making sure that the younger guys know what they're doing, making sure, and as well as making sure that the oldest guys know what they're doing. And I just feel like we all done came together and, and like, I feel like we're going to be a, a great team this year. Now, Coach Leach, you know, been around the block of college football, has a, you know, personality about him. You, know, you can't think of Mississippi State anymore without thinking about Mike Leach. What What's it like, you know, working with him every day, being in the locker room with him? Is he the same guy in the locker room and off the field that he is on TV and in social media? Uh, I'd say that. He he's a funny guy, so he likes to do, do a lot of different things. But uh, as far as on the fit, well, he's serious sometimes, but at, at the same time, sometimes he's funny. So when he's serious, then we all we all know when he's serious. But when he's funny, we all know that he's playing a lot. And I just I really like him. He's real cool. What's the funniest radio appropriate thing that Mike Leach has ever said to you? <laughs> uh, he just started talking to me about. Uh, uh, something about an anchor or something. I just I don't know what it was about, but he just started talking to me about an anchor or something. <laughs> Chatting with Jalen Cremedy here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So you personally, you know, 23 tackles last year, a couple sacks, even got a forced fumble last year for the Bulldogs. Looking at that, you know, and always looking to improve, what have you worked on from a personal standpoint to get ready for the season? Uh, personally, I worked on, uh, you know, bettering myself at, uh, like my get off and my uh, some moves, some uh, hand just I mean hand uh, moves and you know trying to make sure that I know what to do or like read a def- I mean an offensive player and I just really been trying to make sure that I I set myself up for the long run. Do you ever watch film on other guys in the SEC? You know, like Will, Will Anderson who was here earlier, Ali Gay from LSU. You know, guys like that who who have really set the standard for the SEC in the last couple of years. Do you look at their film and, and you know, try to emulate certain things that they do? Yeah, sometimes I look at uh, look at different uh, clips uh, that I see. Uh, and, like, sometimes I, I go on the field uh, with, with one of my teammates and we'll just, like, you know, say, how what do you think about uh, this uh, skill? I mean, this uh, move or, like, what do you think would happen if I did so-and-so? And yeah, we'll try to we'll try to better ourselves by making uh, different things come together. So I've been an athlete a, a time or two. I know how it works. Give me one game on the schedule that is already circled. You're already looking forward to it. Uh, Ole Miss, <laughs> the Egg Bowl. I love that. And lastly, you know what can what can fans expect from from not only the Bulldogs defense but Mississippi State as a whole this year. Uh, I would say that the fans can expect us to to give out all this season and for us to show that we we can we can win every game that we can and for us to you know just be out there and show everybody what we can do. Jalen Cremedy of Mississippi State joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jaden, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Good luck this season. All right, thank you. So both of these individuals were far bigger than me. Kermody at 6'5", 315, and Watson at 6'2", 240. You know who else is a 
just a giant human being? Will Anderson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, he's a pretty big boy. That is a massive dude. I mean, he started walking around Radio Row, and I said, how does a man look bigger without pads than he does in pads? It was crazy. He's a massive human being, and I am starting a grassroots movement, right? And it's already been started. I'm just going to jump on the train. Will Anderson is the best player in college football. And if he doesn't win the Heisman Trophy this year, it's a crime. He should have won it last year. Let's be let's be perfectly honest. He should have won it last year. So if he doesn't win it this year, I think there's going to be riots in the street of Tuscaloosa. All right, you've watched his TV specials. You've listened to his podcast, including the one about his daughter gambling. Now you can see comedian Burt Kreischer live in person at the Cajun Dome on September 16th. And all you got to do is send a text. You can join the game's text club by texting BERT to 337-283-8100. B-E-R-T to 337-283-8100. Once you are a member, you'll be eligible to win tickets to see Burt Kreischer live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of the game's text club. We'll take a time out, and when we return here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, Landry Locker of In The Loop on Sports Radio 610 is going to join us to talk about the Houston Astros after they swept the New York Yankees in a doubleheader yesterday and get set for the Mariners tonight. Can they end that 14-game win streak? You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Megas, James Mesh, 38 minutes after 5 o'clock here on your Friday afternoon. Landry Locker of Sports Radio 610 in Houston, host of In the Loop, joins us here to talk about the Houston Astros. Landry, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How you, how you doing? Doing well. It's it's great to be an Astros guy after they sweep the Yankees in a doubleheader. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great atmosphere. I, I was talking about it today on the air. I, I don't think that outside of any postseason uh, environments there are better environments than you know, what it feels like when you're at the game and and they're playing the Yankees. There's a nice split crowd. I, I won't say split, but there's the, the Yankees are well represented. Uh, the atmosphere, everybody's into it. Uh, and you just, you just you just can kind of feel the intensity, and you can also just kind of feel that at the present moment, uh, the Astros just kind of have a mental edge, and kind of just seem to have uh, they kind of just seem to have the edge over the Yankees. Yeah, no no question about it. You know, JJ Matajevic getting the walk off in the first game. You know, he he got a great hit 
to the shortstop, and then the shortstop tried to get the easy out at second, but nobody was there. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an interesting end to the game. I I, I always go by uh, what Jeff Van Gundy says: don't ignore in victory what you uh, wouldn't ignore in defeat. And I was th- that might have been probably the most troubling sequence uh, of the of the of, of what was otherwise. Because I didn't quite understand what Dusty was thinking about putting uh, pitching Alvarez first base open uh, and not going with JJ there instead, and and they ended up loading the bases and nearly getting out. But it was just an interesting. It was just an interesting end of the game, and old school baseball people were mad because the shift and all that type of stuff, but. I was just sitting there wondering, you know, what was the deal with uh, pinch hitting Alvarez with first base open? Uh, but fortunately, they got the win, and, and it was a fun atmosphere. And then in the second game, you talked about Alvarez pinch hitting in the first. He comes back into the lineup in the second game and picked up right where he left off. Yeah, and, and it's something that he's done. You know, the, the the two times that he's been out, you know, for a little bit and had to miss some time, he, he's come back and, he, and he's homered. Uh, I, I guess you could say that was that was his second at bat technically since he intentionally walked. Uh, but you know, for all the the slight scares, every time he comes back, every time there's like us for concern, he just seems to have kind of a, a sense of things and he gets the job done. And, and I, I I know Otani's probably going to win the MVP at this point. Uh, but if it were between Judge and Alvarez, and if you look at you know the major stats, obviously Judge has them on some of the totals just because he's been in the lineup a little bit more. Uh, if I had a vote, I would vote for Alvarez over Judge. I just think he's a he's a way better hitter. He's clearly the uh, the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to the Astros lineup. Chatting with Landry Locker here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, we talked about Alvarez's home run. Bregman followed up with one of his own. Bregman seems to be heating up and getting back to kind of what fans expect out of him. Which is which is massive at this point in the season. Yeah, that that was that's funny because um, right before he started getting hot, we pretty much had a funeral for him on uh, on the show. Uh, we, we we said that the baseball messiah, which we called him, we're like that could not here anymore. Uh, the guy who was a vote away from winning MVP in 2019, uh, but this is the best he's looked since 2019, uh, and he and he seems a lot more comfortable up there. He seems to be uh, finding his groove. He seems to be having fun. For a while, I do a lot of October uh, if, if you want to make a run. But he definitely, he definitely has had a little bit of a revival the last month. Uh, still not, you know, 2019 Bregman, but uh, it, it's nice to see him doing what uh, what we were used to him doing for a long, long time. Now, looking at pitchers, I mean, Framber Valdez and, and Justin Verlander are, are your two workhorses. However, one of the top storylines has to be Lance McCullers Jr. What's the latest on him? Uh, he's going to get two innings in today. Uh, so, you know, he's crawl he's crawling before he walks a little bit. They, they're taking it as slow as they possibly can. Uh, but he's going to get two innings in today, uh, first game action. Uh, and then that's just the next step. They're not making any promises. They're not saying when Lance is going to be back. But uh, he'll get two innings in uh, in San Antonio. And... They'll take it from there. Uh, but he's been trying to ramp it up a little bit. I don't think they're, like, completely, you know, relying on Lance coming in and being, you know, game one, game two, or game three. 
Wouldn't surprise me, though, but today is like the biggest step because it's the first, you know, in-game action, uh, and, and he's going to be on a two-inning limit. Juan Soto has made the headlines in the world of baseball after he rejected a 15-year, $440 million deal from the Nats. They're looking to trade him now. He wins the home run derby. You know, where do you see him landing, and, and do the Astros have a realistic shot to, to land him? But I think they should have considered it. Uh, I think they have the package uh, that that it would take to get him if they wanted to to try to get him. They could trade uh, some of their guys uh, in AAA, and they, they could probably trade a couple of guys that are already in the big leagues. If if you throw in Jake Myers and you throw in either Javier or Garcia, I think you could get them. And it makes financial. It would have made financial sense for the Astros, and I actually laid it all out. Uh, as to why it would make financial sense, because you have two years of club control after this year. After this year, Verlander, he's going to opt out, and I don't know if they're going to want to give him a three-year deal. So that's $25 million cleared up. Uh, Michael Brantley, um, he's having trouble staying healthy. He, this is probably his last year. Uh, that's $16 million. So you have $41 million there freed up just after next year if you want to get the deal done quicker. Then in two years, when Soto is going to start making the big money, Altuve and Bregman expire. So that's $54 million freed up there. I don't know. I don't think those guys are going to warrant that type of salary. And who knows? Maybe you want to move on from that. So as far as like the dollars, you know, lining up to where it could make sense for Soto, you could make a case that the Astros could build their squad around Tucker, Alvarez, and Soto. And you're already getting a, a bargain on, on Alvarez. So they, they, I made a case that it could make sense. I don't think that they want to give up their farm, you know, the the top of their farm system. And I do fear that it could be one of the New York teams or it could be Seattle that makes a deal. So you could see Soto in the division because Seattle, they already have a good, uh, good talented core and, and they're, they're rumored to be in the mix. But I also fear that, you know, New York, uh, could be in the mix, and the Yankees could look at it as, you know, we've kind of been a little bit cheaper the last few years uh, with three. Soto is a really good player. We're going to be paying Stanton anyways. So if we let Aaron Judge walk away, then we're going to have a guy who might be, you know, close to just as good in our outfield with Stanton, and we'll have two years before we have to pay him. So I really, you, the, the Yankees and Astros could both make a case that it makes sense. I think he gets through. If I had a bet, I would say one of the New York teams or maybe Seattle in the division. Six-game road trip for the Astros starting tonight in Seattle, and they'll end it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in Oakland. Seattle winners of their last 14 before the All-Star break. Do you think the All-Star break hurts them in terms of a win streak perspective? Man, I just think it's fascinating that a team can win 14 straight games and still be down 10. You know, uh, as the uh, as as the uh, aftermath of the break continues, uh, I I don't think it hurts them. I Seattle is as close as anyone to competing with the Astros. I do find it interesting that you know that I think I think all the games this weekend are sold out in Seattle, so they're excited about it. But no one's really talking about this series here because most people, rightfully so, feel that the AL West is done. Uh, the race in the AOS. They're not going to make up 10 games on the Astros. Uh, but but I, as far as hurting them, I don't think it's going to hurt them. 
but I don't think they have a chance in hell of winning the division. Landry Locker of In the Loop Sports Radio 610 joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Landry, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Before you run, tell our listeners where they can find you. Uh, that's Landry Locker on Twitter and Instagram uh, and uh, Sports Radio 610, the Aussie app, uh, or the old school 610 AM, uh, Monday through Friday, 10 to 2. Fantastic work, Landry. Appreciate you taking the time, man. All right. Thank you, guys. And there he goes, Landry Locker of Sports Radio 610 in Houston. The Houston Astros tonight, 9-10 first pitch as they are in Seattle. Jose Arquiti will take the bump for the Strohs, 8-4 with a 4.09 ERA, 92 and two-thirds in, 94 and two-thirds innings, 98 hits, 74 Ks. On the other side, Marco Gonzalez, 5-9 with a 3.5 ERA, 100 innings pitched, 103 hits, and he has struck out 50 Three, the Astros 61 and 32, first in the AL West. The Mariners 51 and 42. They're second in the AL West, like Landry said, down 10, and they're winners of their last 14. How will that go tonight? We'll have to wait and see. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your day night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score some excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so sign up today. Let's take the final timeout of the week, James. We'll wrap it up on the other side. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Guys, this man is trying to get me to join a 10-year fantasy league. Well, technically, I've already joined it. I was going to say, you already joined. You're very committed. I, I haven't committed anything. I didn't pay the buy-in. Oh, man. This this guy. I didn't. I haven't committed. Not a big commitment anything. guy. Well, I, whoa. <laughs> whoa. I'm getting married. I'm a big commitment guy. Not a big commitment guy. Okay. Can't, hand, can't handle 10 years. I mean, how, how long have you been doing fantasy football? Like seven. Okay, so... You're a seven-year vet. What's ten more in one in one specific league? James, I might not like you in ten years. <laughs> Why would I want to be in a fantasy league with you for ten years if I don't like you in ten years? Well, to be fair, there are there is. You know how old I'm going to be in ten years? You're going to be 34, going 35. Yeah, old. <laughs> and I'm going to be 32. What's your point? I'm just kidding. 34 is not old. I was going to say, Blaine's going to be upset with you. That's not old. I was joking. Ray's going to be really upset with me. Oh. <laughs> That's not Especially old. after yesterday. I'm not that old, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, you called him a dinosaur. I did not. I mean, you basically did. I did not. I just saw the tweet and thought it was funny. I didn't say anything. I just thought it'd be funny to share. He said, I just thought it would be funny. It was. Was it not? Oh, my God. Are you not laughing? Uh, I am. It's, okay. It was pretty good. Yeah, I know. It was pretty good. All right, next week we're going to dive into college football schedules as well as the NFL. We'll start previews of LSU and UL's opponents as well as McNeese. And Saints training camp gets underway next week. Fun, fun. 
will be had by all. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guests, Glenn Gilbo and Landry Locker. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh. Here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 in Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.